Whether we are enjoying our favorite brand's infotainment content, making purchases through live shopping, or immersing ourselves in a try-on haul, social media has become an integral part of our daily lives. We Indians have taken to social media like ducks to water. According to the ISA Center, daily engagement in terms of time spent is the highest for social media at 194 minutes a day. This number for OTT and online gaming stands at 44 minutes and 46 minutes respectively. Thanks to the deep penetration of internet connectivity, the social media users have skyrocketed to 467 million and 89% of users are active every day on social media. Now, keeping up with the Joneses is an age-old concept, but the enticement is much stronger in the era of social media. Constant exposure to lifestyles beyond our daily routine makes it tempting to aspire for one, leading us to overspend. While the data isn't available for India, Let me share some staggering numbers regarding the impact of social media in the United States. According to the Bankrate survey, in the last 12 months, US adults spent 71 billion dollars on impulse buys triggered by social media content, surpassing the GDP of countries like Slovenia, Ghana, or Jordan. Shockingly, 57% of these impulse buyers regret at least one of their purchases. I'm seeking insights into a fundamental question. What is the psychological influence of social media on our spending habits? To thoroughly explore this topic, I will examine perspectives from both the sides. The creators themselves, Ankur Wariku, a super successful creator and Shreya Patta, accomplished creator in her own domain, will provide insights into the marketing dynamics on social media. Additionally, Biju Domnik, chief evangelist of Fractal India, will delve into the psychological consequences of social media. and its impact on impulsive purchasing if you are eager to understand the root cause behind the temptation to swipe up and make spontaneous purchases this episode is for you i'm your host ashish shabla welcome to another episode of temperament by one finance where we explore emotions and biases and their effect on the way we handle our money our aim is to help you avoid costly mistakes by giving you practical financial knowledge that helps you make smarter financial decisions My first guest on the show is Biju Domnik. He spent the first half of his career in advertising and then moved into consulting, building Final Mile Consulting and incorporating behavioral science to solve problems. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, Biju. Thank you. Advertising has undergone significant transformations over the years, and I'm sure you witnessed these changes firsthand. Marketers often generate a considerable amount of hype to promote their products and services. What do you think is the contribution of social media in this context? I think compared to the television medium which I used to be sort of working with the early days of my career, social media has sort of taken the you know the connections that you can sort of get to to a very very different level altogether. Since you mentioned about hype, so um, hype uh, definitely can be created much more through social media uh, it's also because there are various people who can play that particular game in the social media because earlier in the television industry maximum you know it was sort of controlled and only some few institutions or few people could actually do that particular job but um, in the social media almost everyone is an expert and uh, everyone can actually start a trend and we don't know what would really pick uh, and where it will go to So, uh, so I think uh, with social media, the hype that you can sort of create in the market has gone to a very different level altogether. I was just reminded way back in the nineteen nineties when Morgan Stanley Mutual Fund was launched. That was actually the first private sector mutual fund in this country, 
there was a hype and a very unnatural hype. So much so people stood in lines to actually collect a form of Morgan Stanley mutual fund. So there was a hype then in the in the 90s and that was the first mutual fund. That continues today. And mostly hype works very well when it's a sort of a one-off, uh, you know, buying. You know, mostly public issues, it, it's, it works very well. Uh, or if movies, for example, hype is created a lot. At least they try to. Uh, and I think they, they go well. But I think hype doesn't really work very well when it comes to repeated uh, spending or repeated purchase. Because hype can mostly make you buy a product once. Uh, but after that, it's the quality of the product that really determines whether people will actually do a repeat purchase. It's very difficult to maintain, let's call it a hype uh, throughout. Although some brands like Apple, uh, they continue to maintain the hype. And every time when uh, Steve Jobs or today uh, Mr. Book come, walks in to talk about it, there's a hype. So that's an art. Uh, but um, that only few, very few brands have managed to create. But for one-off spending, uh, still hype can actually be something that can be worked out fairly well. But it's not easy. Yes, it certainly isn't easy. And social media has only increased the possibilities of spreading hype. However, this phenomena has been occurring since the advent of advertising, really. As Biju mentioned, Morgan Stanley Growth Fund was launched in January 1994 as a 15-year closed-end fund. At the time of the launch, it was advertised that it would be a 300 crore rupees fund and the allotment would be on the first-come, first-served basis. In those days of poorly informed investors, this created a frenzy among investors. Morgan Stanley, being the first foreign fund to launch in a freshly opened up economy, made people think that this was some kind of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. There were long queues outside places where applications were accepted, with thousands of hopeful investors clutching yellow-coloured application forms. In fact, such was a frenzy that there was a black market for the application forms themselves. Morgan Stanley collected almost a thousand crore, a huge amount at that time, and as per the actual terms of the issue, it kept the entire amount in the fund. No talk of the rupees 300 crore limit. And as it turned out, the stock selection and fund management skills of this big-time multinational was an utter disaster. The fund lost more than 10% immediately after launch and the very first NAV that came out was rupees 8.98 for a rupee 10 unit. And since this was a 15-year closed-end fund, investors had no way of getting out even at the NAV. This led to a huge negative publicity for the very concept of investing in mutual funds. So Biju, can you delve into the psychological aspects of hype and how it influences consumer decision-making? I think uh, hype actually is based on some very strong, let's call it uh, human behavior principles. One uh, is actually that we are social animals. And I think because we are social animals, before we take a decision, especially when there is a bit of uncertainty, you sort of look around and see what others are doing. And we tend to follow what they do. You know, you don't do that for something like, some buying a toothpaste or buying a soap because there's no uncertainty because that's a decision that you take almost every month. But uh, when it comes to uh, non-routine purchases, we tend to look around. And I think what others are doing around us matters a lot. That's one. Second is, as you rightly said, uh, that feeling of scarcity. If you create that feeling of scarcity, then anything that is scarce, it's a human behavior principle, it suddenly becomes more valuable than what it is. So there are marketers and there are 
have been manufacturers who try to create that feeling of scarcity. And, um, and I think that again works. And uh, because I'm looking around and because I feel that, oh, almost everyone is going after that, let me also go for it because I don't want to miss out. And um, then obviously uh, an overall hype is created in the market. Got it. And from a behavioral finance perspective, what ethical considerations should businesses keep in mind when leveraging hype for marketing purposes? I think it's a very, very interesting and very important question because I often uh, learned from marketing that, you know, remember good marketing or hype or whatever you call it can actually kill a bad product very fast. But what it does is that obviously it attracts a very large number of people, you know, in a very short time to it. But if your product is bad, then the, as you said, the bad, in a negative word of mouth, the, the negative hype just takes you on the reverse direction. And the word spreads around the market that this is a bad product. And it can kill you much faster than otherwise. So I think that's, a, that's the first thing you should remember, that you know, hype can get a person to buy a product once, but you can't get a repeat purchase uh, through hype. Uh, that has to come from the quality of the product or the quality of the, of the service. I think uh, don't go beyond uh, what the differentiator or what is the product is. Don't overpromise, and uh, the market will hit you back. The consumers will hit you back when you overpromise and you underdeliver. To that extent, exactly, even in a, in a public issues and other things, it's much better to, uh, and that's just not about financial markets or anywhere. It's also even in personal relationship is much better to under-promise and you actually over-deliver if you're playing a long-term game. And, uh, and then what happens is, okay, you, 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 the expectations versus reality or the expectations versus what was delivered, I think that gap, uh, it's much better to keep it uh, in your favor where you sort of under-promised and then you over-delivered. And that tends to create a far more positive word of mouth about you, your product, the market. Over-promising and under-delivering is, again, clear recipe for disaster. And what do you think we could do to not follow the herd, not get enticed by the hypes? How can we be more rational in our lives? <laughs> it's not easy because, uh, you know, there is a very famous uh, Solomon Ash experiment where there was a line which is small and there were two lines which are a bit more definitely, by looking at it, you know, those two lines are longer than the other. And, um, but, you know, there was all the other people in the room were sort of part of the experiment. They all said, oh, they are of the same, same length. And there was this particular person who was actually the only person as part of the experiment asked, is this line same as the others? Since everyone else has said this line is also similar to the other, he just followed and he said, yeah, yeah, this is actually same as the other, which is group conformity. Because I think, um, as I said, we are social animals. We have a lot of biases. We, we human beings are not very good in really making these so-called rational decisions. And so we get swayed and moved around. So it's not easy uh, not to be swayed around by a lot of these uh, tactics that are used by marketers. But once in a while, it's good to sort of at least try to take a bit more, bit of introspection could help, especially when you're buying, uh, you know, where somewhere the information, like in the Solomon Ash's case, the person knew that the information that he had was right and what others were saying was wrong. 
especially if that is so, you should definitely take a call. Because if somewhere your information, what you've gathered, or your own intuition says what the rest of the world is saying is not really right, it's good to be a bit more um, careful about and then try not to follow the herd. It's not easy, but um, I don't have any short-term or immediate solution to do that because that push that you get from the what the other world, the rest of the world is doing is, can be a bit too much for a lot of people. Uh, more so when uh, people are of a younger age, their tendency to follow what we call social proof, what others do tends to become uh, much, much more stronger. And that's where fashion trends and others tend to pick up much easier among the teenagers because their brains, uh, their you know prefrontal cortex, that part of the brain, which is the front part of the brain that is supposed to do the analysis, actually fully becomes mature only by the age of 24, 25. So the ages before that, they're much more swayed by the larger uh, schemes of the market. But as you become a bit more older, and you've made few mistakes in life, you tend to be a bit more introspective because the mistakes of your past become a, a, a sort of a lamppost that gives you, sheds light into the future decisions. Fascinating insights, Biju. Thank you very much. It's evident that marketing in this world of social media plays a pivotal role in shaping our choices and decisions. The power to create hype has shifted from the hands of a few to the fingertips of many making it a potential force in the marketplace. As I conclude part one of this episode, I can't help but wonder, how do the creators and marketers themselves perceive the impact of social media and hype? Do they see it as a tool for one-time splurges? Or is there a deeper understanding of its long-term effects on consumer behavior? Join me in part two, where I'll be sitting down with Ankur Variku and Shriya Patil, two accomplished creators. I'll try to also delve into the minds of these creators to understand their perspectives on the psychological influences of their content. I'll see you on the other side. Investment in securities market are subject to market risks. Read all related documents carefully before investing. The securities quoted are for illustration only and are not recommendatory.